know. Um, today is just a quick 30 to 45 minute episode where we're just going to be talking the NBA season as the NBA season just ramped up with the Raptors winning the championship. But also a reminder to you guys that um, Bro You Know is back. It, it's back today, um, June 15th, where we've just rebranded the blog and relaunched. So hopefully if Cripple One is as good as he says he, as he is on the editing, he should be able to get all all that information for you guys. Anyway, so it's Cripple Two here, uh, just for a 30 to 45 minute conversation about the NBA. Um, also, if you want this in written form, I have um, ri- written my my 18-19 NBA season review um, in written form on the Bro you know, on the www.broyuno.net um, blog, so go check that out, um, but let's get into it. First of all, um, I just want to say well done to the Toronto Raptors, um, this marking the first time a non-American team has won an NBA title, and I think that is just, like, first of all, great for NBA basketball, because, because it shows, no, basketball in general, because it shows the expansion of the sport, and realistically, the fact I know it's still a North American team, but it's still huge progress on the in and out in and out of the Americans winning the game. However, n- now does this force the question to Adam Silver for potential expansion to potentially a team in New Mexico uh, or a team in Mexico, Guadalajara, or? Or anywhere else in the North American market, so we can get Mexican, American, and Canadian. But I think that could be an idea that Adam Silver launches into. But for but to look over the series, to look over the series, I honestly think I don't want to take anywhere anything away from the last five championships. Let's say three to three to five championships, but in some way they've all had an excuse. They've all been tarnished. Um, and the, the the recent ones with the Warriors have had the caveat, or at least, at least the last two with the Warriors have had the caveat that um, Kevin Durant was on the team, so it made that NBA championship a little bit less worthless because they had the best player in basketball. And yes, I said it. I do think that they have the best player in basketball in Kevin Durant. Talking about Kevin Durant, he got injured, um, therefore missed most most of the finals. But what I'm trying to say is that um, he came back in the game five, but he he tore his ACL. Prayers up to Kevin Durant. It's re- it's really thrown a spanner into the works when it comes to him potentially getting getting a contract, getting a supermax. And anyway. Um, ESPN's Brian Winnerhorse has said that they are still planning to offer the max to KD, whether he accepts it or not, and still takes the five years. But if I was KD, I would like for my legacy. I wouldn't want a to have a, although he deserves it. I wouldn't want a contract that I miss my first year throughout injury. So, what I, w- what I would do from a business perspective is sign a one to sign. Is to opt into that one one year extension and then test for agency next year, 
But we'll see. Anyway, um, and then prayers out to Clay Thompson. But then again, Clay Thompson has already demanded the Warriors because he has been a Warrior day one, as Stephen A. Smith said on first take the other day, that Clay Thompson demands that respect from the Warriors because he is the day one. He he is a home, homebred pro- product at the end of the day. So that's your NBA Finals. Well, well done to that line, Toronto. Kawhi Leonard, what a one-year rental. Everyone's saying he's going to Clippers. Well, I he's going to Clippers, and I th- I think they're quite right. However, I do believe that with with Masai Ujiri is such a good GM that he built a champ. He he realistically it was a two-year project minus Demar Derozan, but let's say. He built this championship team within two years of getting the job, and he 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 did an absolutely stunning job again. Kawhi Leonard, so Kawhi Leonard, I don't know why he wouldn't be able to get, let's say, Kevin um um Kawhi Leonard to resign. But then the whole thing about Kawhi wanting to play in LA and and stuff like that—that's going to come back to bite the Toronto Raptors. Anyway, if it is a one-year rental, it was successful. Um. Also, you can say that. The um, comings out of uh, Pal- your Pascal Siakams and your uh, r- probably your most improved player this year has really boosted the Toronto Raptors. Like, I'm and I'm not comparing the Toronto Raptors like to the Warriors in any way, but pa- the way Pascal Siakam plays, he's kind of like that, like I can do everything type of player. A bit like a young, like the Draymond of two, three years ago, and that's nothing to take away from Draymond now. I think Draymond now is lacking a bit of ambition, but I think with Kevin Durant potentially gone and Clay missing out next year, I think he may, he may, he may have the focus and drive to do what to do what he wants. And because next year it's looking like mainly it's going to be Curry and Draymond, so Draymond is going to have to step up. Anyway, I, um, so I I see Siakam in the mould of a Draymond, like a young Draymond. He can do everything, and he he was that defensive anchor. He can do a little, little bit of everything, as I've repeated like three or four times. That's how good the guy is, or that's just how bad I am at podcasting. I don't know. I don't, I keep repeating myself. Anyway, so Pascal Siakam. Also, the development of Fred Van Fleet off the bench. And that bench unit sticks together. You have Sergio Barker off the bench, who is just a mass rebounder. You have Marc Gasol, what mid-season trade, we'll get into that later. So, I honestly think that, and especially, and especially how Toronto, like, died down the hype of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I still personally think that the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the NBA. Like, when Kevin Durant is injured, I just think that that series was... I don't think you can blame that on Giannis. I think you you have to point fingers at maybe a Budenholzer, because I think those... I think that those games, minus Fred Van Vliet's hot streak at the end, were definitely winnable. And I, th- and I think that, go- that goes down to what... Um, Budenholzer makes some mistakes for. Anyway, talking about talking about um, uh, teams on the rise, um, you have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets. They kind of did that both in their respective conferences. 
Den- Denver missed the playoffs last year, and they and they were and there was kind of this expectation of them rising up rising up to the West. And I do believe that from a place play style stand point and philosophy that they might be the best team in the West and and I know that on, on their day the Warriors are the best team in the NBA potentially if that top five stays together the top, the one of the best dying fives of all time if DeMarcus Cousins plays out that's another question but yeah let's do it the Denver Nuggets wrote they've got young pieces they, they've got really young pieces as in Nikola Jokic their their franchise centerpiece. You got a nice second piece within Jamal Murray. Although there have been questions around him this season, especially how inexperienced he was in the playoffs. But again, that whole team was experienced in the playoffs because it was their first time in the playoffs. So I think you can kind of give give them a let by, like Stephen A was saying. But I'd expect much more from Den- Denver next year. Um. So then going down the order, you have. So we've already spoken. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on Milwaukee once more. Um, Giannis is just... I personally think he's the MVP. I do think that he matters more to the Milwaukee Bucks than James Harden, especially with how Daryl Morey built that squad and how defensively reliable they are uh, on on that whole coaching stuff and how D'Antoni... If you take away Budenholzer from... It really depends because it's a fair-sided argument. For MVP, I don't really care who wins it at the end of the day. I just want... We had a competitive race, we had a debate about it, and we all had a laugh at and a smile about it. And that's the main thing about basketball. That's that's why I enjoy the most. I enjoy debating it, I enjoy talking about it, and you can clearly see that from our conversation right now. So, so Milwaukee, what I was saying, Giannis, franchise centerpiece... Pretend if he gets a three-point shot, I know we, especially with Ben Simmons and Giannis, go on about the three-point shot. But for them to, if they get a three-point shot, they are automatically, Giannis is already an MVP contender. If Giannis gets a three-point shot, he might be the greatest player of all time down the line. I'm saying if he gets a three-point shot for the next season and it's consistent with it for the next five years, let's say, then definitely he has a chance. He has the chance to statistically it'd be the best level of all time because like with a three point shot I can see Giannis potentially averaging thirty six at thirty nine points and, and I'm and I'm not being cocky. I'm I, I just believe that from the standpoint of he's already averaging like twenty eight point twenty point twenty eight points a game on on forty shots. If on forty shots twelve of those forty shots are three point shots and three quarters of them go in, he's already going to be averaging 36 points and the fact is he's made an improvement every year on the three-point shot even little by little like but still he does need to improve on the three-point shot you then for Milwaukee you have a good supporting cast like a better supporting cast than they have in Denver but yeah a better supporting cast than they have in in Denver but you have Chris Middleton who brilliant first season good all-star and yeah, and, I, and I'm saying and yeah a lot, so I'll try to stop. Also, you have Eric Bledsoe, the, the honest day, terrific defender. You have Malcolm Brogdon, who let's not forget was the rookie of the year in 2015-16 because of of an unhealthy Joel Embiid. 
that is another talking point in the thing, but Malcolm Brogdon is still a very reliable piece, and is the leader of that bench unit, and I think the likes of Pat Connington, DJ Wilson stepping up this year off the bench, being those reliable shooters and the power forward and shooting guard position respectively, really helped them, and I think... The fact is they, they stuck to one play style, one game plan, really helped them. And the fact is that Boone Holes was straight. The whole coaching staff was straight on how they wanted to attack the game plan. And they were really strong defensively. And Giannis was both that offensive and defensive anchor throughout the whole season. And I think that's why you need to give him the MVP credit over Harden. So now you have Milwaukee rising up. Also, another team that rose up this year during parts of the Jimmy Butler trade, which is one of those trades we can talk about later, but um, you have the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, with the Philadelphia 76ers, it's, it's much like you have Jimmy, you have Joel Embiid, and you have Ben Simmons. Originally, there was questions on how they kind of fit together, like in the first, especially 12 games, because you could see that Joel Embiid was frustrated with who got who got the um, although it was established towards the end that Jimmy was the closer and Joel Embiid was the inside threat. I think Brett Brown mismanaged Joel Embiid to using him everywhere when he should have been clear on where Joel Embiid is. And I think this quest and I think this season especially has put Brett Brown's position into question because of his mismanagement of. Let's say Ben Simmons using him on the post to hide his three-point ability. But then again, his post shot, especially... The only good thing about, about Jen, Ben Simmons in the post this year has been that he made a 15-bank shot and everyone went crazy. Anyway, um, so... Also, I honestly think that if you look roster-wise, I honestly think the Philadelphia 76ers have the best roster. And I think... If they were better coached, I definitely think they could have been those Toronto Raptors. And if it wasn't for that Hail Mary of a shot that um, that, um, the Kawhi hadn't put up in the playoffs, then Philadelphia would have been would have been in in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. And depending if Von Budenholzer still makes that mistake in that situation, maybe even the NBA Finals. So it's really a question of. Wrong place, wrong time. But the thi- and but the thing is, with the Philadelphia 76ers, you have to question not only Brett Brown, but also you have to question the health of Joel Embiid because this is the, this is probably the third season in a row where he has been tainted by injuries. I think next team to talk about really is. Um, the Portland Trailblazers. Very un... Honestly, I think they went very much under the radar the whole year. So to say. Um, they were very much the team to look out for in the sense that... Yes, you had the narrative of... Oh, this might be CJ and Dane's last year because if they don't achieve any success. And I think this year will go down as a success. Because they have managed to get that far, and they, and especially with how Houston is now in question, with how that team is built, 
I honestly think that if they get a few more, like if they get a hel- healthy Nurkic, and potentially a better small forward, like I know Evan Turner and Farouk Aminu, Aminu is like terror, like he's a minus player on offense, like he can't even get a shot. But defensively, Farouk Aminu is still the anchor. But I I do think that they need an extra scoring option. And whether Seth Curry's that off the bench, I don't know, but they definitely need another scorer. Because Maurice Harkless, Alfarouk Aminu, is definitely not that. And I don't see Zach Collins, who was cited to be a three-to-five-year three, three to five year project before becoming anything, to, to have that leap in his second no, second or third year. I can't even remember now. Anyway, um, so moving on, on to the team I I was referencing the Houston Rockets. What a terrible start, I've got to say. Um, James Harden was absolutely terrible. And if if not for that defensive change that they made, like, and if it wasn't D'Antoni finally giving in and giving the Hail Mary to Harden to chuck up a shot whenever he wanted, um, and that whole offense relied on just... Harden throwing up and throwing up and throwing up shots, and with a with the D'Antoni system, more than more than in more than more than any year, I've got to say, the D'Antoni the D'Antoni system has relied on the three point shot more than it ever has, because with D'Antoni now, I think he's made it clear that if he is to stay in Houston, and if any player in the NBA comes to Houston, you must be able to shoot, shoot threes, and you must be able able to chuck them up. And very quickly. Um, I think the CP3 contract is a detriment to them. And it's only natural that you're now seeing that everyone on the team, part minus James Harden, is available for trade. And I think that is the only right way to go, technically. Uh, anyway, and then... So, so back to that. CP3 injured. Harden has his miraculous wake-up call and has one of the best scoring seasons since Kobe Bryant's 2008 season, um, averaging nearly 36.5 points. James James Harden's sensational season, I think he can do it again, but the, the fact is, can he do it efficiently? And that whole thing about James Harden, his PR was so high, it was almost a sh- Like, that whole system ran through Harden, and I'm not blaming... Harden, because I, I do think it's more of a deficiency of D'Antoni's system more than anything, but it, it, it it's a disappointment. It's a disappointment, let's say. And and in in, in the um, off-season talk um, that we will do next week or the week after, we will, we will definitely go into how or what we expect every team, what what we expect each team to do in the off season, I might even do that tomorrow. Actually, I might have some free time. So that's the Rockets done. Next team to talk about um, the teams that underperformed. Okay, so I think in each conference you've got a clear, clear, clear um, candidate, and I think you can. First of all, you can definitely say. Um, the underachievers are the Oklahoma City Thunder, 
although they started off brilliantly and Paul George for the first half of the season, I've got to say, definitely was in my top two. And then the the shoulder injury happened. I th- I think he did the stupid mistake in playing through it instead of ending his season and getting the proper pro- proper look at it and potentially being back for that round two series. I'm not going to question his decision. Paul George's work ethic is untouched. One of the many attitudes in the NBA that these young players need to look up to. But I definitely think, in this case scenario, the shoulder came first rather than playing time. So, and then Russell Westbrook's shooting this season has been a detriment. Every season since his MVP season, he has played it worse and worse and worse. However, and this season, the, fir- the first half, like Harden's, from a shooting standpoint, was terrible. I honestly think that his three-point shot, don't quote me on this, but I think for the whole season, has come like at 32%, and halfway through the se- by the All-Star break, at the start of the All-Star break, was, before the All-Star break, was 26.5%. Don't quote me on that exactly, but I do know it was in the higher 20%, which is absolutely abysmal, like literally. You cannot get away with that as a leading point guard in the NBA. And I I really think this is... Although Westbrook's leadership mentality probably closest... There's definitely an argument between him and Kyrie, but closest thing between him and him to Kobe, I'd say. But I think his attitude, leadership and ball dominance all all combined into one really really affect the team on how they they're going forward and I think that his alpha mentality is no it's proven that his alpha mentality is hurting the Oklahoma City Thunder but he is he and Sam Presti has already said that he will be one of the very first Hall of Famers for the Oklahoma City Thunder because he will be a lifer for Oklahoma City. He has said, he has said that, and I don't think there is any, any way that he en- ends up anywhere else. And because I think West, Russell Westbrook, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going on a run on Russell Westbrook, is a player that, if in any other system, apart from his MVP year, I I would say that that for the people who still view Russell Westbrook as a top 15 player, I, I don't even consider Russell Westbrook a top 15 player anymore. He might sneak in at 15, 16 area, but I wouldn't have him any higher than that. Uh, no, he's definitely top 20. He's in that 15 to 20 range for me just because of of his triple-double and how he's done that for three consecutive years and how... He's going to make that a normality in his game, which you can only respect because the guy, again, has one of the best mentalities in the game, along with Paul George. However, both come to terms where... Paul, actually, Ross Westbrook did have a better second half, but that's only because he needed to, because he needed to step up in into that offensive juggernaut that they needed. Although it didn't work half the time... It, he still needed that because of how they lack Paul George and how Paul George reluctantly decided to play. But 
and you could see his defence was absolutely terrible and he quickly dropped out of most of my top five rankings yeah, for MVP. Um, next team to talk about for underachievers, the Boston Celtics. What can you say about the Boston Celtics? Everyone came into the season saying, "Oh, this, this, no, no, this, no, this is the year that this is the attitude that most of the media had." And I've got to say, I wasn't feeling it. I definitely, I, I definitely think the Cripple One was feeling it because I think the team he most feared was the Boston Celtics. I'm gonna have to ask him that for the next podcast for you guys. But what I will say is that. The Boston Celtics underachieved because they were meant to be the number, not number one, number one in the East after a supposed weaker East after LeBron LeBron left. And yeah, they underachieved. Um, you could say because they were reintegrating Kyrie and Gordon Hayward into a system that worked so well without them, and that's a detriment to Kyrie's mentality because he always wants to be the best player. And I think there was like chemistry issues with oh, Kyrie wanting to step up to leader, and then once he came back, he kind of did a like negative Nancy, let's say. He kind of reacted badly. Oh, oh, like the team is doing badly now. I'm back, but I'm meant to be the best player. Da 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 da. He's he's alienated his teammates. It looks like, and yeah, Kyrie. I will say that Kyrie is probably a top three player in the East. All top top five, depend, depending on how you see you on how you see Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons. But to me, the the top three player, nah, all depend all depending. No, he's definitely top four. Let's say because you you've got Giannis, you got Kawhi, you got Embiid, and you got Kyrie. Those are the four guys in the East. Now, moving on from Kyrie, there was the whole thing about about. Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge wanting to initiate wanting to initiate Gordon Hayward into the offense, and therefore having to sacrifice Jalen Brown's minutes, like to his detriment. And I think that definitely st- and definitely stopped Marcus Morris getting minutes, which I think Marcus Morris at the end of the season can be definitely seen as one of their positives, along with. Let's say Al Horford, because I have so much respect for Al Horford. He is what I think of what a leader should be, and he he will be that anchor for the for the Boston Celtics. Imagine imagine if they get Anthony Davis next year. Although um, Rich Paul um, has just come out recently and said they would only be a one year rental in Boston. So breaking news, probably not breaking news. Anyway, um, so with the Boston Celtics. You've got you've got to say that initiating Gordon Hayward in the offense and Kyrie probably caused chemistry issues. It wasn't going their way. They had a misstart the season. They picked up midway, but then they dropped off after Kyrie made those comments. And I think the whole, whole team chemistry was gone. The mojo was gone. There was hope of and and I'm pointing point, pointing the finger at you, Stephen A. How you gave the people false hope about oh the Boston Celtics will pull through? How the Boston Celtics will pull through? How could you make that argument? Because for for me, like like even by game sixty, they were they were a defeated team. Like 
literally the mental, the chemistry wasn't there. It was broken. Like, and I know that the, the, and they barely scraped past Indiana. If things had gone two, two or three, three shots had gone the other way within Indiana. So they were already a beaten team by the by the sixty um, game mark. So I don't understand why Stephen A. Um, I wouldn't say Max Kellerman, but especially Jay Williams on the Get Up Show hyping them up. And, and I even think the YouTube, the NBA YouTube com- community, they did their thing in hi- hyping them up. And I just feel as if that they, the the Boston Celtics were the biggest disappointment. I think from a Western from the Western Conference standpoint, I, as I said, it's definitely the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder. Now, from biggest overachievers. Now, for me, for me, um, I, I think the biggest overachievers in the West was the Sacramento Kings. I think Dave Yeager did an absolutely fantastic job, and to this day, I, I still no actually, actually that's a lie. I do understand how, why David Yeager got the sack, because um, the Sacramento Kings ownership wanted a focus on Marvin Bagley being the leader of the offence, and him getting integrated in the offence, and when that didn't happen, you could you could definitely see a rift between ownership and um, Dave Yeager. But Dave Yeager's fast way of, of moving the ball... Kind of reminded me of of that Phoenix offense, of that eight second or less Antonio offense back in two thousand six or five. I can't, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Is a quote that I need to have on a T-shirt. Remind me of that cripple one. Um, so Sacramento Kings. Um, their fast passion, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hield, major improvements, and I think both of them being nominated for the most improved player definitely shows what they have going on in Sacramento, and I definitely think. A player like De'Aaron Fox, give him another year, give him the right coach, which I think Luke Walton, if you look at it, is the... You can definitely see that Luke Walton is definitely, potentially the right candidate because of his fast action of playing. Maybe reminds you, as I said, of the of the D'Antoni 8 seconds or less offence. And I, and I think that, then again, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald development, really good. And potentially showing signs of bright things to come. And I think Marvin Bagley's, ha- Marvin Bagley's had an underrated rookie season. So I definitely think that um, that what, um, the, the Sacramento Kings are one to look out for, and I think they overachieve, they, they overachieve this year. When it comes to the Eastern Conference, um, you can really look at two candidates being the Indiana Pacers and the uh, Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, because the, the the way that Sean Marks and um, Atkinson have rebuilt rebuilt that um, team as coach and GM is really a detriment of the situation that Sean Marks took over and the situation that he built on very little hope from that Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen trade. Any le- leaving that them in the position that they were. But you've got to say that um, you, you've also and the the rise of DeAndre Russell as an All Star, I think, well overdue. I think it should have been last year or the year after having having. But I think he definitely rose to it. 
all-star replacement, I think I would have, especially for Victor Oladipo, which leaves the link between him and Indiana. But I think decent first year, and if they are to get to build a championship roster, they have got good young pieces that I think they'll keep on to. Jarrett Allen, good center. I think that I think and Karis Lover. I think if they do get Kyrie, I think DeAndre Russell becomes dispensable, and I think they can then trade him for for potentially uh, better pieces. So um, I mentioned the Indiana Pacers. What a job um, Nate McMillan has done this year. We like literally we were all slacking him off the last few years for being a a coach that didn't really understand his rotation. But I think in these past two years, and especially with the rise of Oladipo, he's kind of done a done a midway, and it's really it's re- it's really shown. And I think that is a detriment to the whole team, like. That whole team, similar to the Brooklyn Nets, but but it really reminded me of the Utah Jazz of last year. They had that one leader, and but I think the situation differs to when Oladipo goes down, and ha- but how that team still rebounds, and the rise of Demontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, and you got Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich, eh, um. I don't want to get the wrong Bogdanovich, but the Bogan, Bogan, Bogan. Sorry, that's the one at Indiana. But you've got to say that these two are the those two teams really overachieved, and I think that Indiana have a very good chance of um, getting Kemba Walker. And I think at this point it's pretty much certain that the Nets will probably get will probably get Kyrie and will probably attempt to move at getting Anthony Davis. Although that might be that might be a one year rental. Um, also, I mentioned the Utah Jazz. I think it, I mentioned the Utah Jazz. So the Utah Jazz m- midway team didn't really do much this season. Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think you don't call him a one season wonder just yet. I think he had a shaky first half and an all right second half. If he can bounce back the third year, I think I think he'll be fine. But if he has another shaky year next year, I definitely think. You can question the all the, the supposed all star to MVP potential. The people labelled him after his first year, and that's only natural. The guy balled out in his first year, but there's obviously got to be some, some difference in standards. So I think definitely disappointing year. Rudy Gobert disappointed me as a fellow Frenchman. My poor, poor, like you disappoint me, Rudy. But but you've been good this year, and I still. And I still think you are the best. You are the second best defensive player in the NBA, but you you probably will win the award this year, and that's probably two years in a row, and well deserved because you you in the you're the best paint. Like I'm I'm talking as if he's listening to the show, but I think Rudy Gobert is one of the best when it comes to that whole thing about paint defending. The only worry with Rudy Gobert is as soon as he, uh, as he um, goes out of the paint, he's on wobbly legs. Anyway, moving on to um, the the teams that did not make the playoffs, and I think you can only really talk about two teams. You can actually the actually the Charlotte situation is funny because of of the decision they have to make whether if he does make if he does make the 
the All NBA. I think yeah, he made the All NBA thirteen, which means that he's eligible for the for the for the two hundred thirty five supermax, and so and therefore I would not give him the two hundred because I think that potentially will would be a, a waste of money because I do, I do not see him as now that type of player. I do think that he could reject it and go to a place like Indiana. Anyway, um, the real teams to talk about and the teams with potential. Sacramento, Sacramento missed the plus, but then again they were overachieved because I still I expected them to be in the eleventh seed at best, but they, but they surprised me. Anyway, you have you have the Dallas Mavericks and the whole Atlanta and the whole Trey Young Luka Doncic situation. For me, Luka Doncic is the best player in his class, and. And I honestly think Luka Doncic, within five years' time, could, could, w- like will be a top ten NBA player. I think he can probably do that in the next two to three years. Don't quote me on that. I don't. I don't want the the uh, someone to clip this and for it to come back on me. Yeah, you probably got cripple ones, mean mean boy saying clip that shit. Anyway, so that dynamic went. That dynamic coming into the season. Trey Young had a very slow start. I think pe- people like myself criticised him too early. We didn't give him enough time to grow into the NBA. And I think, de- I won't argue, he was definitely the best rookie in the second half. And that's why I think that the media, even the players, um, the NBA players, are making this r- rookie of the year more than it is. I think... Luka Doncic wins the award because Luka Doncic had one of the best, had probably the the second best first half to rookie season you could you can have as a rookie, and I think that's a de- that's a testament to how good of a player that he is and will be, and how he that whole storyline about how he no uh, on the experience on on how he was in Europe before, and that guy potentially is. Going to be amazing. Trey Young, I definitely do think can be maybe a top twenty-five player, but I think his height really goes against him. But the guy's entertaining to watch, and he's a definite spark. And I could definitely see him being the face of that warrior-molded Atlanta Hawks team with Herter, potentially Cameron Reddish, John Collins. Uh, and then Omari Spellman in the years to come. So I definitely and and I, and I definitely think those two will have a good rivalry and dynamic going forward. And and for um, the Dallas Mavericks, I think as soon as they realise that Luka Doncic is the real deal, I think that DeAndre Jordan and Dennis Smith trade needed to happen because you needed to ensure that Luka Doncic was. That main ball was that main ball handler, and the fact that they probably got an all star back back in return, like you can't complain about that. And I think Chris that pulls it. That duo is going to be beasting and feasting from January onwards, when when Porzingis comes back. So I think in the um in the in the nut, I think that for the lottery teams they did well. I think the teams that narrowly missed the playoffs, Miami, shout out to to um, San Antonio for still making the playoffs as an eighth seed. 
Greg Popovich, best coach of all time, goat. And yeah, like from a from from like an in season perspective, I think that's all I've got to say. But now I want to look at the trades, and you had the Jimmy Butler trade, which, as I mentioned earlier, was a main factor in the in the development. And I think that trade was fair, and it's re- really um, a testament to how good of a first year Elton Brand ha- Elton Brand has had as sixth GM. Let's let's say that. Um, then the the second biggest tra- the biggest trade I think the Kristaps trade was big. I think the I think one of the most underrated w- was the the mini clear out that the Lakers did and Michael Beasley. Although I think I think getting rid of Zubac was unfair, uh, but get but getting and stretch players that they needed for LeBron. When they should have done that in summer, in the previous summer, which was a detriment to, to Rob Pelinka as a GM. Um, and I think for tra- trade wise, I think I think that's all. I, that's all I have to say on the trade front. And and I've just mentioned the Chris Atkins Porzingis trade. Um, had a very good All Star weekend this year. No drama. Good dunk contest. Good all. Good All Star game. And one of the best halftime performances from J. Cole I have ever seen put the um and the um Super Bowl to shame in my opinion. Moving on, um what else, what else, what else to talk about? Um drama within the season. You had um the whole Jimmy Butler drama getting traded. Like and Tom Thibodeau holding out hope. Yeah, but now, now Tom Thibodeau hasn't got a job and is working for SPN. So I think that's one of the biggest career downfalls, but big, biggest career positives that that guy can have within 12 months. Um, and, yeah, and I think that whole drama with um, LeBron and that whole AD stuff, well, finally, finally signing with Rich Paul, finally getting the wheels in motion for a AD out movement, it sounds stupid to say, but yeah. Um, Rich Paul, I still think the guy. Look, I haven't met the guy in real life, but I think his actions as an agent is questionable. He's probably a lovely guy, like literally, like. But as as an agent and as a fan from the outside looking in, I've got to say I'm I as a GM. He puts his client in great positions, which is the aim of the job. But the way he does it, I don't think it's favourable. But like, but then again, it is sports, and then sports is 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 contrived. Um, so from that standpoint, definitely, I can see where um, where you had the AD 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 um, LeBron drama tampering. And then you had the Magic Johnson quitting in in the latter half of the season, and the whole Rob Pelinka accusations. I don't think is was it was a very good look on the Lakers organizations. I think it looks bad on the Bus family, and I definitely think that um, whoever becomes the president of basketball operations. Or whether they 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 merge the two jobs and, yeah, and give that to Rob Pelinka, and the damage control they have had to do on Rob Pelinka 
with the whole drama of trading the whole team. I, I just think the way the Lakers are run is, uh, is, is questionable. And I definitely think that if I was LeBron, I would be concerned. But then again, he did come out recently and said that no matter what, he will still support the little families Lakers in whatever actions they do. And then he kind of t- 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 took shots at Magic Johnson. But then again, LeBron, Lebr- LeBron, as great as he is, is ready to defle- def- deflect the blame on any issue when it comes to him. And he has a right. He is the best player. He he is or was the best player player in the in the world. Um, when so um for end season awards, I um on that note, I'm gonna wrap things up now. Um, what to say? What to say? What to say? Um, for the season awards, um, me and my co-host will make, will make our, our final final predictions. A off-season preview with with, with me and Crip One will will come soon. Um, and yeah, and then we we'll, we we will do our uh, yearly mock draft. And everything is Gucci. No, the cool kids don't say Gucci anymore, so I won't say that. Um, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Thank you for withstanding my stuttering and my current pauses. Although Cripple One is a brilliant is a brilliant editor, so I think he will just go over and do me a job. That sounds wrong. I will never say that again. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, bro- so on that note, I've been Cripple Two. You've listened to the Bro You Know end of season review. Um, th- thank you for um, listening or watching or however you're digesting this podcast. And yeah, um, make sure to check out the website uh, broyouknow.net. Um, make sure to check out our Twitter bro underscore you underscore no. Um, make sure to check out our Instagram bro bro you know underscore blogging underscore podcast or the other way around. Anyway, if 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 the editor is smart. He will add the social media slide. I'm making the emphasis so that the when he listens back to this, he 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 adds the social media slide. And yeah, I think that's been um, the NBA season review. Make sure to check out um, the short the shortened the art the shortened article version of um, the NBA season review I have done on BroYouKnow.net, um, the blog. Go check that out. Like and subscribe. Share this video. Share it to an NBA fan. So we can keep the Bro You Know community together. And welcome back to the Bro You Know. June 18th, first proper Bro You Know episode. And we look forward to seeing you there. Cripple throughout the life.